Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What's in the heart will come out of the mouth. Listen to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What's in the heart will come out. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Sexuality is one of the most personal and important aspects of every human being's life. God gave us this gift, but in a world of rampant perversion, it has become a source of struggle for millions. As Pastor J.D. approaches this touchy subject, we're reminded to be very careful of what we allow into our hearts and minds. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 5 with part one of his message, Sexual Purity is Possible. Let's get into our study. On Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Ephesians, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And today our text will be chapter 5 and just two verses again this week, verses 3 and 4. So beginning in verse 3, where the Apostle Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit and says, But among you... There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor, verse 4, should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. This is one of those places in the Word of God where, as a teacher of God's Word, you kind of wish you taught topically so that you could conveniently avoid... (laughs) passages like this one. We're going to talk about a very mature subject, and for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons, you're going to need to use your discretion concerning those underage, especially those watching online. I'm going to try to uh, handle this subject matter delicately and appropriately. I have no intention of getting unnecessarily graphic. However, we are going to look at the matter of sexual purity. It's a touchy topic, I realize, but I want to, from our text today, talk about how it is that it's actually possible to live sexually pure lives 
in a sexually immoral culture. And I think you would agree that we live in a day and age where, well, it's sad actually. I, I'll spare you the statistics and instead just get right to it. We need to know a little bit about the culture in Ephesus before we jump into this. And we need to do that because we'll have a better understanding of what it is that Paul is writing to this church there in Ephesus. The city of Ephesus was one of the most occultic and sexually immoral cities in that day. It was home to the temple of Diana, and unspeakable and detestable sexual acts took place in this temple, and it was by way of these numerous male and female prostitutes, temple prostitutes, that would provide the people with their services. And what made it so detestable was that it was done under the banner of worship, the worship of this goddess, this sex goddess, this goddess of fertility, this Diana, also known as Artemis. It's interesting that The temple of Diana there in Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. You can actually go uh, visit the remains, the site where this massive temple once stood in the ancient city of Ephesus, which today is in the modern-day country of Turkey. However, (laughs) you should probably know that it is now a swampland, which uh, to me is apropos, given what took place at this site. One noted of the Temple of Diana, also known as the Temple of Artemis, that it is the most faded of all of Ephesus's glories. Today, all the remains of the temple are only a few broken bits of column lying in a shallow depression. Concerning this temple, an ancient writer said, I have seen the gardens of Babylon, the Colossus of Rhodes, the immense pyramids, and the mausoleum, but when my eyes turned on the temple of Diana at Ephesus, All the other wonders of the world lost their brilliance. Wow. Now, I've been to the pyramids in Egypt. We stayed with my aunt, who lives in Giza, just five minutes away from the pyramids. And i got to tell you, uh, it is breathtaking. And to say that it pales in comparison to this temple that once stood as this worship, this place of worship, sexual worship, to this Diana, just to kind of give you an idea. There's a reference to Artemis or Diana in the book of Acts when we're told about a riot that broke out in Ephesus. And 
it's when a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis and was making a lot of money doing so, had an emergency meeting with his fellow businessmen to deal with the Apostle Paul because Paul was convincing large numbers of people there in Ephesus that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. They were in danger not only of their trade losing its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess would be discredited and even the goddess herself. Upon hearing this, they became furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And they actually shouted, get this, for two hours in unison, as this riot is breaking out, there in Ephesus, they were in unison for two hours. That's almost as long as some of my sermons. Don't, don't say amen to that. But they shouted, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. In Acts 19 verse 35, we're told that the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? (laughs) Fell from heaven? Well, that should say it all right there. Well, why do I go into such detail? Because it's going to be germane to our understanding of the backdrop in which Paul is writing to this church there in Ephesus. This is what these Christians at that time were up against and dealing with. And in so doing, He's going to, by the Holy Spirit, show us how it's possible for us to live sexually pure lives in a sexually immoral culture. I'm not going to get into a lot of the, again, details, but I do want to say that the world today is like Jesus said it would be, in the last days, when he likened it unto the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this teaching, and uh, when we were in New York last year, we uh, were taking the subway in uh, Manhattan, uh, actually going from ground zero back to where we were staying in the hotel, and it was uh, actually on a, a Sunday, and we had just uh, gotten back from uh, and walked the Brooklyn Bridge and, and gotten back from the Brooklyn Tabernacle where we uh, went to church that day. And I've got my son Elias with me. I've got my uh, 10-year-old daughter Sabia with me at the time. And we were there in the subway, and it just so happened to be this LGBT celebration day. And I got to tell you that it was one of the most grievous experiences that I had ever had in my life because here are, you know, men, I mean, 
doing things on the subway that are just heartbreaking. And I only share that because it just reminds me, I think it's a much-needed reminder that what we're seeing today is exactly what we were told it would be like at the time of the end. Maybe that's another topic for another time. But it's important to understand that the word Paul uses here for sexual immorality in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the Greek word pornea. And this is where we get our English word for pornography or porn. And I realize that's a broad word that describes all matters of sexual sin, but it's specific in this context to sexual intercourse outside of the covenant of marriage. If married, it's adultery. If not married, it's fornication. That is sexual sin. That is sexual immorality. Now, it's also important to note that Paul connects the dots of sexual immorality and impurity to obscenity and filthy talking and even dirty jokes, as it were. And that's interesting because when sexual sin takes up residence in one's heart, it will be evidenced by what comes out of one's mouth. Now, This is really important, and please, um, Lord, please help us to keep focused here because this is really important, and I don't want for any of us to miss this. And Lord, again, please give me that which I need in order to properly teach this. Um, This is one of those truths in God's Word that cannot be overstated. What's in the heart will come out of the mouth. Listen to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What's in the heart will come out. Verse 24, Keep your mouth free of Perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Now, why is this important? Because it's a matter of the heart. Another translation renders it, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. And would you agree with me that this is a big issue in life? Would you agree? Maybe I'll take it a step further and and suggest that this is probably one of the biggest issues today in the church of Jesus Christ. Sexual sin. Sexual sin. Pornography. Internet pornography. I know this is uncomfortable, but we need to talk about it. I made a comment a number of years ago when I was privileged to speak at a pastor's conference that internet pornography would be the one thing that would take guys out of the ministry and even out of the home. 
And is this not what Satan wants? Is this not a strategy of the devil himself? Jesus said this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then he says this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Oh, so if my heart is full of lust, then that means that that's what's going to flow out from my life. It's not what goes into a man's mouth that corrupts him or defiles him. It's what comes out. And that's how you're going to know, right? Maybe this is an illustration, and I'll try to do my best here, and I appreciate your patience with me. So let's say you're carrying a pitcher, and it's full of whatever it's full of. And then somebody comes up to you and bumps into you, and whatever is in that pitcher is going to come out. Does that make sense? So too is this true with what our heart is full of. I was... Uh, <laughs> Ah, never mind, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I was thinking about this just on the way here today when uh, somebody was tailgating me. And there was another lane. That's the worst. No, isn't it? No. You know what? I need to, I need to get this off my chest. There's two lanes there. And, and there's this, this messenger from Satan sent to buffet me and tailgate me. Just rolled up there. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, you can pass me. There's another lane. It's free. <laughs> so when he didn't, <laughs> what? Why are you let you know, being the godly pastor that I am on my way to church to preach a sermon? I went over to the other lane. Okay. (laughs) I did it in such a way that he would know that I knew that he was tailgating me. So I abruptly make the lane change and he passes. I'm confessing my sins one to another here. But what was in me came out of me. Now, I'm supposed to have, and I do pray this, and God knows my heart. I pray this every day on a Thursday night before I'm, uh, as I'm driving here for a midweek Bible study, and then also on Sunday morning uh, when I'm uh, driving here. I always pray, God, give me patience and love for your people. (laughs) Not that it's hard to love you or (laughs) be patient with you, but I just want... I just want God to give me patience, because I'm impatient, okay? And so are you too, so let's, you know, be honest here. And I just ask God to give me patience and love for 
his people. So when somebody bumps me or irritates me or tailgates me, (laughs) what comes out of me should be that which is already in my heart. It should be love and patience and long-suffering and meekness. And you know the whole list, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. And herein lies the key to the how, if I can say it that way. So again, please be patient with me and hang in there with me. Here's the question that's before us today. How? How is it possible? Maybe I could uh, rephrase the question this way. Is it actually possible, doable, to live sexually pure, especially as a man in this day and age. Is that even possible? Yes, it is. I can stand before you today as God is my witness and declare to you that I am tasting from the cup of joy that comes from the victory walking in purity. And I want you to taste from that cup too. It is possible. I can testify that it is possible. How? Okay. I believe the answer is found in what Paul says at the end of verse 4. And you could almost miss it. It's, it's kind of just there and even subtle. But notice that he says, instead of what comes out of your mouth being filthy and foul and vile and sexual and awful, it should be thanksgiving instead. What does that mean? Oh, wait. Remember what Paul wrote about earlier? When I'm the recipient of God's forgiveness and love, then I will respond in kind. Jesus said it this way. When you love me like that, because I first loved you, then your response will be to obey me. This is why it is, by the way, that Paul listed in grand and glorious detail all that God has done in the first three chapters of the Ephesian uh, epistle. And the last three chapters are our response to all that God has done. It's the response of the heart. When I truly understand just how much I have been forgiven of, I will love much because I've been forgiven of much. Community is so important to a growing relationship with Jesus. We weren't meant to walk this Christian life alone. God has blessed us with spiritual brothers and sisters, all imperfect people serving a perfect creator. We will find ourselves in times of trial as we deepen our faith and follow Jesus. So we need to have a community of believers to lean on. Your church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. In turn, you provide the same for them. Have you found a group of Jesus followers that you can invest in? If you're in the Kaneohe area and don't have a church, we would be more than happy to welcome you into our family. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. 
You can find out more at our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Before our time is through with you today, we want to tell you how you can listen to more editions of In Spirit and Truth. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Join us next time as we continue in the book of Ephesians on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true